Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 181. For victory and solo board games! Maybe a little coffee? What are you talking about? Grounds. This game has grounds in it. What? Proving grounds. It's not a coffee shop? That's the... I hear. I had not been expecting that pun. (laughs) 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 Woohoo! Good evening, everyone. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. Today we are going to be talking about Proving Grounds. That's right, the coffee game. No, as Albert may try to confuse you, it is not the coffee game. It is the battle game where Maya Strongheart has to fight to the death against everyone else in her own personal proving grounds mm-hmm. in a, an arena sort of a gladiatorial sort of thing exactly this is another um time-based game real-time based game where you are going to have a one minute timer but it is a solo only game in fact it is the first of the solo hero series from renegade games but it has a one-minute timer where you're going to essentially be rolling your dice as fast as you can in order to select the dice configuration you want to be able to deal with the six enemies that surround your main character uh, and deal with them and kill enough of them and you'll or defeat, kill, not quite sure, but defeat enough of them, mm-hmm. defeat eight of them, and you will have won the game. If your health track goes all the way down to zero, you will have lost the game. Sounds simple enough. Indeed. So, Albert, shall we jump on into this? Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's fight. So, that is the summary. Let's talk about the first thing being the rules. Albert, have you had an opportunity to look through the rule book? I did. I read the rule book. Um, I read most of the rule book. It's very clear. I understood the game without any trouble. Mm -hmm. I liked it. I like the rulebook. I do think the rulebook is very clear. They have a lot of really nice graphics to be able to help clarify Mm -hmm. some of the more difficult aspects of it. Um, For example, one of the the tricks of this game is that you're going to have multiple colored dice, and you're having to use the colored dice to create sets. And as you create sets, so that means that you can possibly re-roll them or connect them with other things or actually potentially deal damage to them so you would think that this is pretty simple but they have a great picture that already immediately shows you that simple concept because i can reassure you without that picture i could definitely see how even the idea of just making sets would be confusing especially we're trying to do this all in real time but the pictures and everything help you understand how to advance everyone and how to do all the resolution and what purpose all of the different cards and aspects and things do so I think that it's a very well-presented rule book. In addition, and I think this is slightly different from normally how we present the rules, because there is an app for this game. Although technically you really only need the one-minute, just any general one-minute timer, there is the official Renegade Games app, which provides their one-minute timer, and also student other benefits when you're using Proving Grounds in addition to a nice soundtrack, but also it has a nice little rules summary for everything that appears in the game. So you'd be able to use that to lead you through the games. I know I've talked similarly about how that works when I was playing Flatline, which is another real-time game by Renegade. This one also has that same sort of rule summary, and I also think that's that's also very well written there's a rules reference that comes with the game if you're using the app you don't even really need the rules reference the app will walk you through everything and help make sure that the gameplay remains 
nice and easy to flow. So I think that the rules nice. presentation of that is also very good. Nice. And this is the same app that you use for all their other games, right? For Clank and any other solo rules they have or whatever. I don't know if the other... I know it does use for the other ones. I don't know what benefit it has in those games. I've never actually tried using it for anything outside of Fuse, um, Flatline, and Proving Grounds. All the ones where the timer is an essential component. Mm, okay. Yeah, for Clank, it had the solitary campaign where it drives it. Um, I don't know what other games it supports. I don't remember. That's the one I played it with. So I think that covers about all the way through the rules. Albert, shall we move on to the theme? Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's do it. So one thing just to discuss the theme that they're starting to do with the Solo Hero series. Now, I know there's only two games in the Solo Hero series, but for both of them, they've included a small storybook with the game. And with this one, so it discusses all about essentially what's happened to Maya and how it is she's reached the situation she's in. So they've definitely used theme more heavily than anything else because they've created a whole story and made that an integral part of the game by honestly spending the money to publish a book and release with the game. They could have just as easily even not done that or just make that digital and be available on their site. I don't know how many people are going to continue to read that particular piece of fiction over and over again, but they actually printed and they put <laughs> it in there to really help reinforce the theme because otherwise it would just be sort of generic gladiatorial, gladiatorial, but because they have that whole story with it, they've really helped assess the theme and make the theme even stronger. Mm-hmm. Now, how big is this story? Uh, how many pages is it? It's about the same page size yeah. as the rule book itself. I think it's about 20 pages. Oh, okay. Nice. And is it is it a separate book or is it just part it of the rule book? It is a separate book. It is a separate book, oh, the okay. same size as the rule book. That's cool. That is, that's a nice touch because that's definitely above and beyond mm-hmm. what anybody needs to ever do. Agreed. Um, so in terms of how the theme comes through on everything else, Part of the game is that there's the basic game, what they call the training game, and then there's the advanced game, because the game comes with six different modules that you can use to run through the game and have a different experience with it. And even if you're using the app, you can randomize which modules are included with the game so that, again, you continue to have a unique and different experience each time you pull open the game by using a different set of modules. But each one of those will sort of bring different amounts of theme to how the game is portrayed. In addition, there is the various enemies, all of them have loving pieces of art for them. There are some duplicates for them, but all of those continue to build the theme I mean, when it comes down to it, it's a basic idea of a gladiator arena, but all of it continues to help bring forward that idea of a gladiator arena. Mm-hmm. Now, I had originally, when I saw the box at the store, I thought this was a like a Roman game, like in the Colosseum or something, but it's a fantasy setting. It is a fantasy setting. There's even a dragonling. Okay. I don't think there's any other magic other than the dragonling, but... 
it definitely is fantasy. It is a completely created theme, new world. Mm, okay. I hadn't realized that when I started reading the introductory paragraph and I thought it was Roman and the words they were throwing around made no sense to me. They're talking about the sun queen and what in the world is the sun queen? <laughs> and I, then I finally realized, oh, fantasy. Get it. I'm not even sure why you would think it's Roman because the main character is a female gladiator. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure they killed females too. Not in the arena. <laughs> not to my knowledge. <laughs> I, I don't think you would have had a female gladiator. I also don't think that that female gladiator would have been... I, I think that in this idea, she's yeah, the princess right. as well. Yeah. I mean, there's even a dragon on the cover. Where did I get my, my Coliseum idea from? No idea. Goodness. I mean, there's a lot of similarity with Roman Coliseums, including chariots and... um not monsters and, and beasts and the idea of a gladiator. So I definitely understand where you're coming from, but I think that you would have dissuaded yourself very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently I, Oh, there we go. That's a, that's a renegade app finally opened up <laughs> and now it's gone. So I think that's enough to discuss about the theme. Shall we move on then to the components, Albert? Mm-hmm. Now the, the one thing about the theme, it is, it's really there in the in the art and, and in the in the storybook only the it doesn't come out much in the gameplay, I take it. I don't think I don't agree with you because and we'll probably mention no, this okay. into the gameplay. For me, it just being a real time game again brings forward the idea of you're besieged on all sides and having to fight hard mm-hmm. and fast. So that brings the same sort of drama and adrenaline that you would get from watching a gladiator arena that you are invested in on a movie or a television scene you get that by having the fast-paced element and the fact that you're having to deal with enemies on all sides so i think that the game does bring it out okay okay good enough for me so gameplay uh components components sorry so discussing the components, first, I think one of the main things that you're going to immediately notice is the encounter board. There is a large encounter board that is actually two pieces split puzzle, um, and it's split so it'll fit in the box. It's a relatively small box game. But it's split into two pieces and puzzled together, and around that encounter board is where you're going to be laying the six enemies that are facing the main character at any point in time. Um, it definitely has an interesting shape. So I know when I pulled it out, I was like, is this a weapon? Like, <laughs> how <laughs> how does this work? It looks like a shield or something. Yeah, totally. It's it's quite unique. But when you have all of the enemies around it, and you, again, because you have enemies around it, your mind fills in the missing spaces. Exactly. It's Maya's, it, it's, it's the gladiator arena that she's in her in the middle. So there's a dirt arena around it, a dirt circle around it. And the center is a picture of her being surrounded by the walls of the arena. And until you have the enemies all around it and your mind can sort of fill in those spaces that you realize are now supposed to be there. It, it makes more sense at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. When, once you see those enemies, you're right. The feeling really does come in mm-hmm. to play. So the next component I want to talk about are the dice. These are all custom etched dice and they look very nice. This is again, something that could have been done just with standard pipped dice, but instead they chose not to do that. These are nice looking dice with an etched design on the side, all of them with 
numbers instead of pips to help you make sure that you can find sets very fast when you're going through the game. So I think that's a nice quality component that comes with the game. Um, the rest of the components are relatively standard. There's the set of cards, which I will make mention of. There are two editions of the game. There is the first edition and the second edition of the game. The second edition has the corrected cards in the box. The first edition has a set of uncorrect cards in the box. And if you contact Renegade for free, they'll just send you out a new set of those cards. No issues, uh, but hmm, something to be aware of. Currently, I don't think you can even find the first edition if you tried, but if you should happen to have one on your shelves, take a look at that. Anyway, the cards, we've talked about how the art helps bring the theme into style. It's good art. I don't think it's particularly outstanding because for the most part, all the art is, you know, various warriors standing there. <laughs> it's people. It's nicely done. Just I don't think that it's anything particularly striking or amazing pieces of art. Um, and I think that pretty much covers all the components that I think are, have any comments about them. I, I do not just, they, they look nice and there's a lot of them. Um, you're right. I agree. The art doesn't really stand out, but it doesn't look bad. It's just generic. Yeah. It's just generic. One more set of components actually I want to discuss is the meeple pieces. There are. There's a heart meeple, which you use to track your health. And that goes on a board. At the start of the game, you're going to make a giant stack of dice that you put down in the middle of that, which can make it slightly awkward to continue to move the smaller, by comparison, health marker. It would have been nice if that would have been a taller wooden peg or something like that. The other meeple that they have is this gray X. Um, each of the different enemies has a track on their right side that you use to track their health and also what it will take in order to do any more damage to them. And you have these great X's that you lay on the track in order to be able to track where they're at on that. And these are called, the game calls them battle markers. I am very confused <laughs> why they used these gray X's um, because like if they would have used swords or even some more gray hearts or something else that makes sense there, these gray X's feel like a very random thing to just throw in there. I don't know why they would have done that. Mm -hmm. They're all, they're also kind of big and they, you put them on the space and that seems like a problem because when you're when you're playing the game, don't you need to know the number that's on that space? Uh, no, you have to or tell them to the next the number, number on the space. It. Number that's above it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Then that's okay. Yeah, it's kind of a weird shape, sort of a star on its side. It, yeah, it's an X. I don't but, know why. It works. I mean, it works. I just don't know why they picked that particular symbol. When I mean, it's clearly a custom piece. I unless it's left over from something else, <laughs> which reminds me of like Friday. I don't know why use that but anyway i think that's enough for the components albert let's move on to the gameplay okay so when you're playing the game i already talked about how you win and how you lose you're going to have a fast phase and a slow phase so there's going to be the one minute timer when you have to do stuff at the end of the one minute you'll figure out if you won or lost you win if you manage to defeat eight enemies each time you defeat an enemy um, that enemy will be replaced if you've defeated eight enemies you win the game 
if you don't deal damage to an enemy and instead have only a single, that enemy is going to hurt you and deal damage to you. If your damage goes all the way down on the health crack to the bottom, then you lose the game. So talking about the different uh, steps of the game. So the first thing that you're going to do after you've had the game fully set up and have your six enemies surrounding you is you're going to roll the dice and you'll have a minute to roll the dice. When you roll the dice, the rule is you have to look for what sets and what singles. Sets are whenever you have two or more dice of the same number. You can always re-roll a set. A single, though, is if you have only a single number of that one. So if you have only one, four, one, three, and three ones, you could re-roll the three ones, but you cannot re-roll the four and the three. You have mm. to. When, when you're playing the timed part, you have to keep rearranging it so that you see what are sets and what are singles and decide what it is that you want to roll and re-roll to be able to make the sets that you want. The reason why you may be looking for specific sets or avoiding specific singles is because at the end of the one minute of phase, you'll set all the dice by the enemy that it corresponds to. So there's six enemies around the board. The one go by the one enemy, two by the two enemies, so on. If an, if an enemy has only a single die by it, then in that case, the enemy hits you and deals you one damage. But if instead you attack it with a set, you have to compare the set to see if it's equal to and has the requirements for dealing damage to that enemy. So like some enemies may need three dice, some need four or five, some need that you have to have a blue, green, or yellow, or even multiple colors in it. So different enemies will have different requirements to score a hit. If you have the wrong combination, but you have a set, then you just don't do damage either way. If you have the right combination, then you actually get to deal a wound. So some of the enemies will be harder to actually score hits on, so you'll want to not hit them, or you just want to make sure that you are leaving your sets there, even if they don't hurt them, to make sure that you're not leaving singles elsewhere. And these are sort of decisions mm. that you have to make in the heat of the moment while you're doing the one-minute part. Because even though you don't check for it till later, you'll have to figure it out while you're rolling the one die about where you want to go. So it's often good during, that, during the slow phase, after you've checked for if you defeat enemies or not, to stop and think, well, which ones do I really want to hit? Which ones are close? Which ones do I definitely not want to hit? Especially since some of them will deal you damage even if you don't deal them any dice at all. Okay. So that was a question I have. So if you don't put a dice on anybody at all, like you didn't roll any fours. You d if you don't roll any fours, then you don't interact with that at all. Unless they do damage. Unless it's unless like the one the you just said where they might do damage yes. regardless. Yeah, yeah. That, okay. as with many games, the rule in the card supersedes the general rule. But the general rule is that if you don't do anything, it just doesn't do anything. But some cards, though, do yeah. cause more troubles. And you said you only, once you roll the initial dice, you only re-roll sets. You can't roll singles. You cannot re-roll singles. But, but you're if, rolling you're rolling eight dice to begin with, so you're definitely going to have sets every time. True. Correct. You may end up very sparse after that. Additionally, like let's say we have mm. that case, we have three ones, a three, and a four, and you re-roll the ones, and you get a one, two threes, and two fours at that point. So now you can't roll the one, but you could re-roll the threes and fours if you want to try for something else. I see. Okay. And so you're just going to keep re-rolling until the timer runs out or until you, you like what you have. Yes, and you can't always, whenever you want, just say, I'm done. I have a, I have what I have. I'm not going to keep rolling, especially if you are set where you don't have 
any wounds getting hit to you. That's usually a good time to stop. Okay. So after you finished all that, you'll... Can you could lose on the first game, couldn't you? On the first round. You could lose on the first round, yes. Ouch. Okay. Uh, no, that actually, sounds unfortunate. Uh, I mean... I'm not sure if you... Well, I guess you can. It depends on what enemies come out. So potential, but even if that happens, that's not a big deal. You've, you've invested one minute into the game so far. Start over. Yes. <laughs> I <laughs> okay. think it is possible. You'd have to do, I think you'd have to do that deliberately. I'm pretty certain. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So, so I like, I like how the gameplay works. I like the idea that you're, you're just rolling dice really quickly to make sets. Uh-huh. And, and, and it's a time thing. And now you're done and you go ahead and divvy up the dice any way you want. That makes sense. No. No, you have well, to yeah, divvy them so, up by the sets that you have. So all the ones go to the one, all the oh, twos go to the two. So you may have wanted to deal the last point of damage to the guy in slot one, but you went and did all your dice in slots two and three. Well, you may deal some damage to two and three, but you don't have to defeat them. So especially towards the end of the game, sometimes like, I've got to defeat that guy. I've got to hit this last one. You'll be trying to roll a very specific set, which is a lot harder than just trying to roll a set. Mm-hmm. So um, we really haven't gotten into the colors. You mentioned there's colored dice. When you start rolling, initially you're just rolling white dice only, No, correct? you roll all the different colors. The colors are sometimes required for specific oh. enemies. So some enemies may have a green square in them, for example, in which case one of the dice in that set must be a green square and must be a green die, rather, in order to be able to deal damage. So, So you're rolling... Eight dice from the beginning, and some of them are colored and some are white. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Or are you rolling all? Okay. And then over time, that changes. Theoretically, it that. could. Um, if okay. you take damage, so you'll be reinvigorated at the end of the health meter. So your last two opportunities before you die give you the opportunity to upgrade two of your dice to be colored instead of be white. But if you're at that stage, then you have one more hit point until you're finished. And so so the colored dice are interesting because some of the sets, you said some of the enemies require specific colors to hit them. Yes. So so if the guy is in a two space or the girl or the monster, whatever it is, is in a two space, you have to, and it requires green, you have to roll a green two or you don't. No. Hit them. Oh, you do have to roll a green two, but you have to roll a set of them because it'll say three plus oh, with yes. the green square. So that means you need three twos, so and one of them has to be green. That that sounds tricky. It can be. Usually, you have to be very flexible that, when you roll it yeah. because if you get something that just works, it's usually better to just let it work because you do not have a round limit. You can keep going as many times as you want. So as long as you're not taking damage, just go again. Mm-hmm. So early on, you could pretty much go with whatever you want. Doesn't matter as the game progresses. You're like you said, you're getting looking for very specific combinations, and that is correct. That gets trickier and probably a little frustrating. That is correct. And once an enemy is dead or eliminated or whatever, if you roll one die on their number, it doesn't matter at this point because they aren't hitting you. No, because they are replaced. As soon as you defeat an enemy, you replace it with another one. Oh. So, and you just have to kill six enemies, the first eight. six that dies at eight. Eight. Okay. okay. So, I mean, it sounds fun. I like I like the, the fast rolling, and then you get a break, and you get to think about it. Are you supposed mm-hmm. to rush during that thinking phase? Nope. No or need to it? rush. Oh, okay. So it's the sort of game where I could, like, 
start playing it, you know, um, take a break, come back in half an hour later, play the next round. Sure could. Go back to work for another half hour. Sure could. Ooh, my headphones are charging. Okay. So now that that is the training game, the game does come with six modules, which each give a slightly different aspect for gameplay. And I'm going to run through briefly what each of the modules do. The first module is the Dragonling, which adds an extra die, which is the Dragonling die. Now then each of the enemies actually has in their corner a specific icon, either a talon, t- uh, talon tail, or teeth to it. Um, when you roll the Dragonling die, you can use a die that matches the icon to combine it with a set to go with that person. So like if guy number three had a tail, you can combine a tail with his set of three to, or even with a single of three to make a set. Um, so that can be useful. It also has a wing sign, which a wing can prevent you from getting hurt by letting the dragon come defend you. But it also has a chaos result. If you have the chaos die up at the end of the round, you have to reroll all your color dice. You have to. That can totally mess up your plans if you accidentally do that. <laughs> the big issue is, is that you don't get to just re-roll the dragon die whenever you want. You can only re-roll the dragon die whenever you re-roll a set. Okay. So if you re-roll but as the long dragon as you die, have sets, that's not a problem. As long as you have sets, it's not a problem. Oh, but, but if you have, have everything to. else you need and you're stuck with the dragon die you don't need, you may just be stuck. Oh, so you got to either give up a set that you have uh-huh. or... or stuck with it. oh gosh okay that's <laughs> yeah and the one minute timer wasn't pressure enough let's add this on top oh each one of these does <laughs> that the next one which i think adds a ton of pressure is chariots so chariots mm-hmm. is a special type of threat which has a specific requirement for dice you have to put on that one in addition to everything else so the chariots will do something bad to you um, like, for example, a chariot may make enemies hit harder or may make it cost an extra green die or something like that. You have to spend extra dice on the chariot to evade or exhaust the chariot in order to be able to not have that bad thing affect you. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So unlike Which takes the, away your ability to hit, yeah. Right. It means you have less dice to do other things and you have to be thinking of an extra element of the game. This one, I think, is really exhausting. Oh, okay. The next module is what they call inspiration powers. Um, And this is another good one that you essentially just get a bonus ongoing special power that you get through the whole game. And there's already a deck of, I think it's like 15 of them. Um, Yes, 15 of them. So just a cool thing that you get. The next one is shields. The way that, right, there's these little shield tokens that you use. And whenever you attack an enemy with a, without a shield, it now gets shielded. So your next attack has to, it, you have to use a single to break their shield at that point in time. Oh, okay. And so you're using the shields to mark which enemies are shielded. Yes. So it, both sort it just makes essentially it makes it more complicated when you're having to use the dice because it may cause them to get shielded and cause them to it just has more complication um the next mm-hmm. one is the conspirators die 
And this one reminded me a lot of the one of the aspects of Flatline, because in the Flatline you have a die roll that you have to do at the start, which may activate a negative effect. With this one, whenever you defeat an enemy, you reveal another Conspirator card. And then you have to roll a die before you start to see if any of the conspirators activate. And if they activate, a bad thing happens. And so this one's pretty random. This this one you don't get to prepare for. Correct. Well, I mean, you have to react to it. So if something's come out, then it yeah. does. But yes, it's just a reaction. And it's a random, random, both the cards that come out and whether or not they'll activate. You could go a whole game and it could never activate. Mm-hmm. So the last thing is the sun and moon one. And with sun and moon, you have to actually um, tell where the main character is facing. So you'll be rotating. The, essentially, there's an overlay that goes on the board. And you'll spin it around to be able to tell where the enemy is facing whenever you're playing. And it can have different effects about if you're facing someone or if they're directly behind you. And that'll, again, add more complexity about how you're resolving your dice and playing through the game. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's neat. So some of these expansions make the game more strategic and, and some are just more random. I but, they, but they all definitely change it. They all They all change things. They all, with one exception, add more difficulty and mental upkeep that are required to be able to continue to roll the dice because really on the training version just rolling for sets especially having come from playing the modules it's relatively simple and i can easily understand how that can lose some of its appeal but as you continue to use some of these modules it can continue to change things like the dragon laying and the chariots and the conspirators i think and to less degree shields as well. Like these things mm-hmm. add more complexity and more thought process that you have to go through. And you have to go through all of this in just a bare minute. So when you're playing with a training game, I think it was not uncommon to get a role you want to be like, okay, I'm I'm good. I'm, I'm going to stop right there after 15 seconds. We're good. When you have more things that you have to think about, there's a lot more thought process and weighing. Do I want to do this? Do I not? I'm not sure. And all the things that you want to do. When you're when you're playing with the expansions, are you going to use just one or two, or do you ever play with all six? So I've seems never like played with all like six. I actually just pushed, have five, been pushing right? the random button. Uh, there are six, but yes, there's a random okay. button in the Renegade app, and I've just been pushing that, and it has never given me all six. I don't think I would ever push all six. <laughs> it might be fun to try it once just to see what happens, you know? I did that once with Onirim just to see how it would play with, with all the expansions. Well, I think with Onirim it's a little bit different because all of that adds a ton more shuffling and upkeep and tasks to do. Um, mm-hmm. I am not seeing... Oh, no, it did do all six. I'm I'm pushing the random button on the app over and over again to see if it'll ever actually give me all six. There is a chance of it. Oh, okay. And you just saw it. You may never see it again. It was probably like one in a million. I have no idea. <laughs> Five is definitely well, a lot more common it. than six. I'm not going to do it. Okay. Maybe. That sounds like that would be really tough. I'll have to try it out yeah. and get back to you, maybe. How many How many have you played with? What's the most you've tried? Three. Three? Okay. 
And so you ha- are there certain ones that are definitely your favorite, that sort of thing? There are ones that or are my favorite. Dumb. My favorite ones so far, I think I mentioned, are the Dragon League, the Chariots, and the Conspirators. I need more practice with Shields and Sun and Moon. They just add, like, having to, mm-hmm. to then move to try and now now i specifically have to use a single so like with shield you have to break your normal aspect when now you have to get a single instead of not wanting a single and with sun mm-hmm. and moon you have it's it's just it's another thing to think about like am i facing <laughs> do i need to change things and i haven't quite been able to train my brain enough to be able to grab hold of those i'm confident that after i do it a couple more times i will get more of a hang on it Unlike, and I'm going to mention this directly, unlike with Oh My Goods, this one actually can feel like I'm getting better at. I am doing better. But Mm -hmm. so I'm confident that that as I continue to work with Shields and Sun and Moon more, I'll get the hang of those better and better be able to work on those. It sounds like a fun game. It really seems pretty neat. And how long does it take to play? It doesn't seem like it takes too long. About 15, 20 minutes. Oh, yeah, it's not bad. Took us less nice time, more time to talk about it than it does to play it. <laughs> well, look at that. Well, on that, I am ready to give my final thoughts. Go for it, Albert. This looks like, for somebody that's never played it, it looks like a really neat game. I like that the mechanics and the rules all seem very simple, but that there's a lot of layers that you could add to, to spice up the complex a little bit. I second all of that. Again, I've talked already a couple times about how much enjoyment I'm getting out of doing these real-time games that they give a great adrenaline rush. This is another one that gives a good adrenaline rush. And it's a game that really makes you work your thought processes and work your brain and work your brain in a fast, not frantic, but adrenaline rush type way. You feel smart while you're playing it. You feel like you're achieving victory and that you really put a lot into it, that it's not just a random role. It's different than something like, you know, for example, Pandemic the Cure. Sometimes it just feels like you just need random roles to be able to succeed. With this one, it's not about the random roles. It's about being able to quickly and accurately weigh risk versus reward when you have the dice coming out and how you're going to want to interact with all the different modules that come out. So I do highly recommend this game. I think that it is a really good first entrant into the Solo Hero series, and I'm enjoying it a lot. Oh, very nice. And the the second game in the series is out already, correct? The it is. Warp's, Warp's Edge. Edge. Maybe we will even talk about that next week, Albert. Oh, do you have that already then? I've, I've ordered it, but I don't have it, and I don't expect to get it for a little while. Uh, maybe we won't talk about it next week then, Albert. And, uh, maybe not yet. <laughs> but at some point. <laughs> well all right julius thank you very much this is a cool game i think i want to try it out give it a shot albert all have right. a good night everybody bye all thanks for listening we love feedback so we love hearing from you you can reach me at julius at oneplayerpodcast.com or jlbird on bgg and albert can be reached at albert at oneplayerpodcast.com or fractalude on bgg our website is oneplayerpodcast.com with the number one and we're also on twitter at oneplayerpodcast the intro music is copyright angus can be found at gemendo.com the transition music is copyright by dan elduce pancaldi whose page is at donpancaldi.com the one player podcast is protected under a creative commons share alike license thanks for listening